Hey guys, thanks for listening hey, in today. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I think you mean everyone. Oh, so sorry. I need to be more inclusive. Thank you. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening to the podcast today. I'm Kevin. And I'm Brian. And we hope you enjoy. All right, Brian. We are live for episode 10. Wait, for real this time? Yeah, we're, uh, we are. Yeah, for real okay, this time. Okay, cool. I'm excited. <laughs> Brian didn't know we were recording. We just talked about Twisted Metal, the video game, for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm really excited about 10. I thought we would get here, but I didn't know we would get here with so much support. And yeah. I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that we made double digits already and... The amount of people that have listened, we cleared over over 600 listens and downloads, and this is exciting. It's very exciting. So we're going to talk, what, RNC, DNC? RNC, DNC, and then we're going to talk uh, the future of the Mad Libs podcast. Which, kind of like our hopes and dreams and yeah. goals and yeah. everything we want to do that we can't do without you. Right. Let's get into it, because Brian has a lot of stuff to say about the RNC. <sighs> To be honest, and very I'm little overwhelmed. To say, and very little to say about much. the DNC. Well, we'll break it down like this, Brian. I have one. I have one criticism. Yeah, please. Fact wise, of the oh DNC, yeah, yeah, which the, we'll get to. Yeah. I have one. Yeah, I found one. So we're gonna have about a 25 to minute segment on the RNC, and then about a five Hopefully. minute a five minute clip of the DNC, <laughs> 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 which we'll get into why that is. Um, but let's let's start it off, Brian. Do you want to start with just Donald Trump's speech? Yeah. From a speech writing perspective, if I'm being very honest, I thought it was not very good. And what I mean by that is there was no direction per se. Right. I think he knew he had to hit certain talking points and he just kept hitting those talking points, but there wasn't like a crescendo. There was no, you didn't even know when it was over. Right. I think he did, it was like over an hour and 10 minutes over that. I it was the, it was the, it was the longest uh, of all time. Of all time. For know, like, yeah, for presidential speeches. Do you know who had the longest before that? Oh, gosh. Can I take a guess? Yeah. Teddy Roosevelt. No, it's yeah. a Republican. Oh. Um, a more recent Republican. Really? Yeah, it was Donald Trump in 2016. Shut up. It was. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was hoping for so something. So he beat to... his own record. Nice. You know, with how long he went. He's all about records. Uh, and we, one of the things I actually applauded Joe Biden for was that his was 24 minutes. It was clear, concise. It got to the point, and it finished the point. What I saw a lot out of Trump was this idea of hitting certain talking points, and then he hit them again and again and again, and there was no crescendo. It was just repeating the exact same thing, almost in the exact same way. Like, Biden's a socialist. I'm saving you from socialism. All of that. Yeah. He wants to defund the police. He wants. Yeah. yeah, I want to protect, you know, your religious rights, your gun rights and everything else that is constitutional, blah, 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 that Biden hasn't even said he wants to do. So from a speech writing standpoint, I felt it was very misguided. Well, I'm going to say this, too. Do you think that speech was actually written? Because I feel like he probably just goes up there and wings it. I, I know for a fact, like, there was a speech writer involved, and okay. how much he goes off script is, I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. I, I do feel that he his tone almost changes when he's reading versus when he starts riffing. Like, you can kind of hear a different voice, yeah. and, like, his posture changes. Like, he starts shifting when he's standing with both hands on the lectern, like, or the, the, the pedestal. He sits there with both hands on it. You can tell he's reading. Like he needs to, but then he starts like shifting his weight to one foot. It almost feels like that's when he starts riffing and he starts like trying to read the audience. Are they buying this? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to keep hammering away at that. So that was my feel in terms of what we got out of Trump with that was a lot of misleading information or just downright lies. Yeah. And one thing that I'll say the RNC versus the DNC is that the RNC, I I found a lot more like. Uh, factual misinterpretations or misleading things or exaggerations with the DNC. I found that it was almost a little dodgy at times. Um, but just to stay focused here, I'm going to, I'm going to let it rip with my first one. For yeah, let's speech, go. Let's go. Uh, where he was talking about, cause I'm obviously the biggest, a lot of the fuel for the fire for the, the Democrats right now is that they don't like the way that he's handling the coronavirus. 
Right. They don't think that he's listening to science. And so the thing that caught my ear right off the bat was him saying that he was going to follow the science to combat the coronavirus. But he was saying this in a room filled with 1,500 people sitting right next, sitting right next to each other with no masks. And they didn't no do temperature any, yeah, no checks. temperature checks coming in. Yeah. Uh, and like, yeah, so I mean, minimal to no social. I'm going to say no, no social distancing. Yeah, I mean, they were seated right next to each right. other. And there was, you could say, it was a, the open-air environment, but that, I mean, whether you're open-air or not, sitting directly even if next you're, to someone. Yeah, even if you're at a restaurant sitting in an open-air environment, your tables are six feet apart. Right. So I think you hit the nail on the head there is we're doing the best for the coronavirus that's ever been done, but they're literally not doing it as he speaks. Right. And that's been kind of the administration's, commentary throughout this entire process is we're doing the best there's ever been and you constantly see like the the one interview with oh what's the gentleman's name the uh, i think he's australian they they sat down and they had the discussion he was like one of the first ones to actually push back was a oh you're talking about the um the axion interview yeah yeah so where they actually push back and and say well, no, the, the figures say this. Yeah. And then he starts like trying to pull things out of the air. Yeah, he has, great, he has charts and graphs then. Yeah. So I, I feel like there was a lot of commentary on that with COVID right. uh, from all different sides of the RNC, which we know for a fact are either misleading or just downright lies. Yeah. Um, also to that effect, um, as Brian had mentioned off the air, it's also he had violated the Hatch Act. Yeah. By using the White House as a, a backdrop. Yeah, there's been a couple of violations of the Hatch Act, and that's using federal resources improperly, right? Right. And you're not allowed to use the White House, A, as a backdrop, but like you're not supposed to have the convention. For your personal. For, it's, yeah, for you're not supposed to be using game. it for your right. own personal It's game. not supposed to be political. Uh, you know, obviously politics happens in the White House, but right. you're not supposed to use it for your own political game because yeah. Biden can't do that, right? Yeah, he that's why Tom. It, that's so. why Tom Haverford had to sell his shares in the Snake Hole Lounge in Parks and Rec, because he used his company or his his, uh, his uh, government email address to send out a mass email. <laughs> so we see some violations of the Hatch Act, and we also saw that with Mike Pompeo. He was on an official visit to Jerusalem, I believe, yeah. and he spoke, and he had actually instructed his staffers to not be political at this particular moment. Right. And there he is speaking while on official business for the RNC. Yeah. Um, So he was defying his own instructions to his own staffers Yeah. uh, to then support Donald Trump. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Second big one for me was, um, you know, because I'm I'm, I'm big time pro Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wanted to bring up too that he's going to, he claimed that Biden was going to take everyone's guns away. Yep. Which I haven't seen anything, Brian. You probably know about it more about it than I do, um, but I'm fairly certain that even when he brought up a um, a buyback, it was a non mandatory buyback for assault weapons. Correct. And the idea there is to start to deplete the idea, like start to deplete the arsenal of assault rifles or whatever you want to call them, long long barrel long guns, barrel whatever. rifles. Yeah. The idea is to start to bring that back, and hey you're not going to get nothing for it. We'll, we'll buy them back. We'll pay you to get those back. So you're not just like, Hey, we're taking your property away from you and you get nothing in return. Right. But it was non-mandatory. It's not a confiscation. Right. So the other thing with that is Biden is actually a gun owner. And we saw a clip of him talking with some, uh, like a factory worker and, and the guy went after him for guns. And he, he basically called it out as bullshit. Like, no, I'm not coming after your guns. That's wrong. Like, I'm not doing that. I haven't said that. It's not in his platform. I know the Republican Party doesn't have a platform, but Biden hasn't mentioned that in his platform. (laughs) So I'm very confused as to why they say that, other than Trump knows it's a rallying cry. Right. Right? To the the right. And to the centrists, yeah. And and centrists, but especially his base, it's the Second Amendment, right? right? That's one big thing that any time... He talks guns. It's going to resonate very well with his base. Right. In fact, it was a one of the members of the Lincoln Project. I know this because a, a, a buddy and I were talking. One of the members of the Lincoln Project actually brought this up. When they need to start gaining support for the Republican Party, they always bring up guns. Mm-hmm. It's like the one thing that will always resonate 
with the Republican base. It doesn't matter what else is going on. As long as they bring up guns and say the left is going to take them, which isn't always the case. Like, lots of people on the left don't even want to take guns. They want to own guns. Right. It's all of a sudden this fear-mongering amongst gun owners. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to take them away. And it I think anytime well. you try to, anytime you're gonna, you you know, what I mean, you bring up somebody else trying to take away one of your rights, it's always gonna, you know what I mean? Yeah, it resonates well. Almost like, hey, you know, we're gonna instill the Patriot Act, and it's in the name of freedom. People didn't mind that. Crazy what you can get away with during times of war mm-hmm. and scare, like yeah, scare, scare tactics. tactics. Yeah. Which I will say, I I do really feel like the RNC was big on scare tactics, and I think they kind of always are historically. Yeah. You know, I mean, they play to people's fear. And you brought that up actually very eloquently in our last uh, podcast. Well, and when we when we watch the first two nights, we see a good amount of that. I think the the crescendo happened during the Trump speech. Like, it was all fear. It was yeah. all, what is Biden's America going to look like? And it was the worst of what's going on today and then making it even more dystopian. Right. So I I don't know. Uh, what did you think about uh, his claims about Biden's um, or his claims about health care? Well, Biden hasn't said, I want to be for Medicare for all. No, 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 I'm talking about Trump. Trump was taught his big thing was uh, about uh, taking care of those people with pre-existing conditions. Oh, yeah. I think I don't know how he can say that. I don't know how he can get away with saying that. When well, exactly, especially when he's in court right now to apo- abolish affordable the Affordable uh, Health Care Act. And the most notable part of that, the one thing, and Republicans were very against this when Obama was trying to roll this out. And one of the reasons it got labeled as Obamacare to make it seem bad was the idea of pre-existing conditions being protected. And I've had this ar- like argument with people in the past, like they don't want Medicare for all because. They have children who have, you know, disabilities and stuff like that. And they get these, you know, therapy sessions and and their doctors are incredible and all that. And I'm like, you do realize you can have that because of Obamacare. The the Affordable Care Act protects people like that for when you need insurance for them. Like they have to be insured. And, you know, moving to Medicare for all or not, that's fine. But don't then argue that Obamacare was bad. It actually protected people with pre-existing conditions for the first time ever. Yeah, I don't know, that, and that's such a that's a difficult subject for me, anyways, because I don't really know how I feel about Medicare for all for all versus like having my own choice and what kind of healthcare system I want it. Yeah, I mean, and I think we should just do an episode on Medicare healthcare. for all or healthcare and you know different systems and all that, which yeah. we can get into. But yeah. like you said. Trump talked about the idea of I'm protecting those with pre-existing conditions and he is actually in court fighting against them. And that's one of the things they cite is what they need to do, like why they need to repeal the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. I think my, one of my biggest gripes um, was, and, and, and actually one thing that he really shouldn't have even gone into because there's just so much evidence against it is saying, um, that Biden would be de- would he would defund the police, and he that was that was his big thing. He said, you know, uh, and I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of like, um, you know, if you guys let or if we let Biden get into office, um, you know, uh, it's not crazy to say that he's going to take all the money away from the police or something like that. Yeah, but like Biden had posted a, 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 an op-ed on mm-hmm. how he would never defund the police. He had a CNN interview where he said that he thought that the police needed more more attention, more resources. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's kind of silly. And that was actually, that was um, kind of repeated by Steve Khaleesi, which is, I think he's a representative for Lu- or Khaleesi, something like that. Yeah, uh, He's a senator or congressman from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have two people go after that one point that it's just like so easy to debunk. So that's the thing I, I, I feel with the Republican National Committee or convention was the idea of what is going to excite our base? What is going to excite the people that once voted for us in 2016 that got us the win? How do we get them to stick in our camp? And I think there's been a lot of people leaving the Republican camp that did vote for him that are outwardly like saying, like I said, the Lincoln Project, those were all Republicans in the past and have said, I'm leaving the Republican Party until Trump is gone. 
because they are he's not the Republican Party. So with that in mind, he's got to say, all right, how do I get those voters back in? And I think certain things he kept hitting on about Biden or about like guns, socialism, all of those things, I think those are the speaking points that scare or kind of motivate those people to come back to the Republican camp. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and actually that's, and that's a, that's an interesting point too. Um, and I guess a question I'll pose for you is, um, do you think there have been as many people leaving the Republican party as compared to like people that are joining it, people who don't, didn't want Biden? What do you think those numbers are comparatively? Because I actually have two people that I personally know Mm -hmm. that were like hardcore, like right on your side, Bri, Mm -hmm. um, that have jumped ship. And I'm wondering if there's, I mean, if I, I mean, if I know two people, there's gotta be more. Yeah. I think, do you think that Biden was that divisive or that, um, or, or even maybe not even Biden. Do you think, uh, Kamala did that? I personally think it's a net loss right now for the Republicans since 2016. I can't really, you know, definitively say until after, yeah, no, I'm not, until yeah. after 2020. I personally feel that there's been far more leaving the Republican Party. In fact, you know, I have some family members that were staunch Republicans that are still staunch Republicans, but believe this is the party of Trump. And I think, I think having no platform, Republicans kind of losing their spine in this, right? They're saying we're, we're following Trump regardless of what he says. I think that was a, big moving the needle point for the Republican party for Republicans to move away from the party. And I think you saw some very important Republican people that were very well respected, a Mitt Romney, a Kasich, you know, leaving, you know, Vernon, uh, Vernon Every Jones, I- Vernon Jones. Yeah. Yeah. He was a Democrat that was there, but he wasn't like an, I don't want to say an important, he was, and he, he, was, did. he was a fringe Democrat anyways. And he wasn't exactly someone that was, well-respected in the party. It wasn't like a Bernie, well, Bernie's an independent, an AOC. Right. Or an Elizabeth Warren (laughs) saying, you know what, Biden's not the answer. I'm going to Trump, right? Kasich was that guy. Romney is a very, very well-respected. So you don't think Vernon Jones was that guy then? No, I think it's important that they were able to recruit a Democrat. I think that's notable. I don't think he was a very good I think it lost a little bit of effect because I think because the DNC was first and they had Kasich's speech, um, I think that it kind of like it almost fell flat with Vernon Jones. Yeah, they were recruiting any Democrat yeah, they could to, yeah. to do that. I just think it was just like, all right, yeah, we got one too. And he's in a red state, right? not like a battleground state where it's it's really going to move the yeah. needle. And um, I think it was Vernon Jones that um, just because he brought him up, I'll, uh, I had actually something in my notes about him too because he brought up the um, unemployment rate for uh, black Americans. He brought up unemployment rate and he brought up um, black participation in the workforce. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually was very, yeah, he was very democratic about the way, or, or not democratic in the form of like democratic voting, mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. as a Democrat um, in the way that he gave his speech. Cause it was, it, it was factual, but also a little twisted too. Mm-hmm. Cause he had claimed that um, both were at all time, an all-time high and an all-time low, which the black unemployment rate before coronavirus was at an all-time low at 5.2%. Um, but their workforce participation, I think it was something like 62%, which is not the all-time high. Mm-hmm. So a little twisted, but still somewhat factual. Yeah, and I think I think we had that with Tim, Tim Scott and the idea that there might have been some exaggeration. I wasn't as frustrated by that. I do get frustrated with the lowest black unemployment statistic, though. And that's, you and I were talking off air. Yeah. It's like all of the unemployment was at an all-time low, which could be a good thing. We talked a little bit about that last week about mobility and stuff like that. There was, There's no mobility. Right. You're underemployed, all of that. But when it comes to saying, I've done so much for blacks, the black unemployment rate is at an all-time low. It wasn't like a significant difference between the unemployment rate and the black unemployment rate. Like the decline was pretty much equivalent to the the general unemployment and black unemployment. So it's it's not like you were actively working to help the black community, yeah. right? So it was just like kind of, it seemed like happenstance and they're like, hey, look at how this worked out. Okay, let's use that. Yeah, There was no policy created to help promote blacks within companies or, or you know, 
say there's tax incentives to hiring a black, you know, executive, nothing like that. Yeah. So I'm not saying it, it, it's great. You know, the black unemployment rate was at an all time low. That's great. But it wasn't like you were actively trying to do that. So I don't understand why they can say, hey, look at what we've done for the black community. That's not that that was more of a coincidence than an actual active effort. Yeah. Well, I keep bringing up different ones, Brian. What are some big ones for you for Trump? So I do not want to hear that Biden is a, slow, a socialist ever again. Yeah, I don't like that either. He's not a socialist. He's a centrist. We don't have true socialists in, in I think the that, Democratic that, that Party. I think that goes, that goes more to like the, the, the fear-mongering. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. By bringing up like socialism, you know what I mean? Saying he's super far left, you know, it's just a way for him again to, to deter those people who are kind of, that are listening to him still at least. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 I equate it to the same as McCarthyism. It, where they're like, <laughs> he's a communist. Well, why? Like, you don't have any proof of that. Right. Right. And, but saying it has been very effective. Yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah. I had a lot of that's issues. That's the problem I have with politics in general. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you can see exaggeration on both sides. I have, or even, even a little bit misleading, like kind of like showing the chart, but having like the graph skewed right. in a different way where the, the numbers may basically make the graph look so in your favor. I don't see that as much on the left. I just, I don't. And I know your, your instincts say, well, you're biased, but I'm, I actively looked. Brian's only this. saying that because I told him he was biased earlier when he texted me. <laughs> because I <laughs> said he couldn't actively... find. You said he, he said he couldn't find anything wrong with the DNC. No, no, no. I didn't say anything wrong. I said I couldn't find any lies. Right. Yeah. I saw misleading things, and like I'll call out, you know, Pelosi's later. But within Trump's speech, I mean, there is constant lying. But this is par for the course of his administration. I mean, he can say something. And then the next day in a briefing say, I didn't say that. And they're like, well, we have you on video saying it. And he's like, well, no, I, I didn't say that. You're, you're misunderstanding. So I, I have big issue with this grasp of truth that has been lost during the Trump administration. Whether it's saying fake news this, fake news that, mainstream, mainstream media this, that. You got to give him this too. Brian and I were talking. We were trying to decide whether we thought Trump was a genius and has this all had this all planned every step of the way um or if it was just kind of like dumb luck and one thing that i think that it's it's just like calling biden a socialist you know what i mean saying that it's fake no, news i think that worked so well for him you know what i mean i think yeah. it kind of fired up you know his base for sure they're like yeah cnn is the worst which i don't like cnn no i'm pbs all fine. the way but, but or see, NPR, I like NPR. Right. NP, but he, he will call NPR fake news. He will call the New York Anybody Times. Anybody who says anything Post, bad. Anyone that says yeah. anything bad. And the thing is, like, a newspaper break can be held to libel charges. Right. If they are lying in print, they can be sued. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to sue the New York Times. I'm going to sue the Washington Post. Right. He never has because he can't. Right. Yeah. They weren't lying. Right. So we, we see this a lot with Donald Trump and the whole. The whole speech was riddled with it, and I really struggled to get through it. I I got physically angry. I I, I started showing like physical. I started sweating as much as he was. I was very uncomfortable physically. I stood yeah, up. Yeah, must have been stand. hot that day because I noticed that because I was watching the speech again today. Um, and yeah, he looked uh, yeah. So another thing, listening. I, I'll, I'll talk a, a, about one part that I don't like is yeah, the please. idea of the tax hike. Joe Biden is going to raise every American's taxes. That's actually not true. Is he going to raise taxes? Yes, but it's not going to be at a way in a way that affects middle well, wait, and wait, low wait a income second, families. Wait a second. Wait a second, though, because what you just said was all Americans all are Americans. Gonna be affected. Okay. Okay. So the middle. And I want to make class, sure I understood what yeah, you were saying. The middle and lower class, according to Joe Biden's tax plan, aren't going to be taxed more per se. Yeah. It's going to be on the wealthier and the corporate taxes that's going to go up. Okay. So, it, the the highest bracket was at thirty nine point six percent during the Obama administration. Okay. It came down to something like thirty seven percent, right, around there. I think Joe Biden wants to bring it back up to the thirty nine point six percent. So, yes, it's a huge tax hike, but that's going to bring 
trillions of dollars back into the economy or into the ability for government to spend. So I think it's they've also talked about a more progressive tax. Uh, you know, the idea of, you know, a marginal tax rate and all that, but that's not, nothing of that has been finalized. Right. right? But Trump paints it as this picture that it's going to affect all middle and low income families as well. And it's not. And that's very, very important for people to understand, especially has he released that full tax plan? Uh, not to my knowledge. No. What I will say is there are a lot of center voters in the middle and lower class. So it appeals to them. Hey, I did get a tax break. Now, the difference between a tax break for people like us, Kevin, versus a Jeff Bezos is significant when it's, oh, a huge tax cut for them. 2% for them is way bigger and more substantial right. than someone like 2% for someone like us. Right. And I think that's really, really important to understand that Biden doesn't want to raise taxes on the middle and lower class. He wants to raise the taxes on, on the, the wealthiest 1%. Yeah, I hate taxes. I love what they do with them. <laughs> um, another thing that I actually wanted to call out too, he was um, just a little shout out to Brian's homeboy, Bernie. Um, Bernie and Biden both had plans to eliminate um, cash bails. And so Trump had this big thing about how they're going to abolish cash, ba- cash bails and we're going to have 400,000 criminals out on the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, that 400,000 or that 400,000 person uh, number comes from the DOJ's statistics, basically saying that it's roughly around 400,000 people are sitting in prison, still awaiting trial almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's two reasons I don't like that. The first thing is it's innocent until proven guilty. So of those 400,000 people, not all of them are probably guilty. You know what I mean? So really you're saying 400,000, you're thinking, you're talking worst case scenario. You're basically calling all those people criminals. Right. When there is a uh, a chance that they are not, they haven't been proven yet. Not some of them even haven't even been fully charged. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, are not charged, but indicted. Right. Um, I think that's a really good point. So I think what the federal conviction rate is ninety seven percent because of all the plea deals. But yeah. even then, it's a good way to keep your percentages high. <laughs> well, yeah, three percent of that they're not criminals. So you, it's it's really yeah, and three percent of four hundred thousand is actually a lot. So. so and if we look at that, that's a that's a very important distinction in how you talk about things. And this happens on the left and right. So I'm not as upset about that, but I also would say that Donald Trump has not been the most generous in terms of favoring the idea of uh, innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's why I have a problem with that. Cause I feel like as soon as somebody gets arrested for something, it's like guilty until proven innocent is what it feels like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially Um, in public, the court of, quote unquote, court of public opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another thing about that too, is even in Bernie's plan, he doesn't call for releasing them. He recall, he calls for like alternative methods. So like ankle bracelets or, um, you know, ankle monitors, I should say, not just ankle bracelets, just super fashionable ankle, ankle bracelets. <laughs> They've got charms. Yeah. Oh, that guy's got a pink ankle bracelet. He's out on uh, bail. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's a really good call, Kevin. Something that I've missed with the idea of, incarceration happening before you're even guilty. And that's kind of a tragic aspect in our country. And don't get me wrong. If someone's being charged with murder, like, yes, there has to be something to, you know, restrict them from being able to do that again. It's probably, but should they be jailed? No, I I don't know. Like, but maybe we do have an alternative, like way to keep track of that. And that's what gets me too. you know what I mean? Because like, you know, you always hear those stories of people being exonerated, you know, after 15 years of being in prison for murder and they find out finally that it wasn't them, mm-hmm. you know, that because obviously that story rings much more uh, prevalent than, you know, the guy who is in jail and did kill the person. You right. know what I mean? Right. Uh, another point I wanted to bring up and I know you and I were talking about was the Iraq war something that he's been very critical of Joe Biden for voting for. Right. And I understand that criticism. There were a lot of Democrats and Republicans that voted that way, including Biden, right? right. Sanders was one of those that did not, but Biden voted for the, the war. And I remember in 2002 or three, when we went into Iraq, I was very supportive of it. And I was just a high schooler, 
but it based my my voting thoughts on Bush when I voted in 2004 and I voted for George W. Bush and the idea of weapons of mass destruction. And it wasn't only Bush. It was Colin Powell. When yeah. Colin Powell spoke about, you know, our intelligence says they have weapons of mass destruction and there are plans to use them against us, I was very supportive of it. You know, 10 years later, we found out not really the case. Like, yeah. they didn't have the weapons of mass destruction after invading. We didn't find them and all that. But Donald Trump at the time was also very in favor of it. So I can't be critical of Biden myself because I was in favor of it. And that's why I voted for Bush in 2004 and said, hey, we need to be in this war and he can get us through it. Mission accomplished, right? Hindsight's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> well, 2020 is something. Yeah, 2020 sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, though. 2020 was the start of our podcast. Yeah. Boom. Best thing to come out of 2020. So I have, I have, <laughs> I have an issue with Trump calling that out against Biden because he was a very vocal supporter of going to war, right? So you can't say, hey, you voted this way and I was against it. Someone like Bernie Sanders can. He not only spoke out against it, but voted against it in the Senate. He could criticize Joe Biden of his voting policy or his voting action, uh, you know, regarding the Iraq war. Yeah. What are there any, any other big ones from the RNC, Brian, just because I want to, you know, I want to make sure that we have, uh, I feel like we're talking only about Trump's speech, but there was so much. Well, I think, and that's kind of deliberately because I wanted to keep it a little bit more focused. I know there's a lot of other things that we could get go after, but I mean, that could be a full hour, two hour episode. Yeah. The, the other two things I get really frustrated by is the idea that Trump in 2016 promised a border wall that yeah. would be funded by Mexico. Obviously, Mexico is not funding that and hasn't. And then he talked about how he's built or his administration has had 300 miles built and it wasn't. It's been five miles and then th- like 300 miles of reconstruction of what right. was already built. Yeah. So he hasn't built 300 miles himself. He's reconstructed previous wall and added five miles of wall. And Mexico did not pay for it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> The the one other thing was the idea of immigration. That's not me supporting the wall. That's just me saying it was taxpayer yeah. dollars, yeah. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> uh, the idea that immigration is like this Bernie Biden uh, manifesto, they said, that they're going to suspend all punishments on illegal immigration, blah, blah, blah. Basically, what they've said is there's going to be this 100-day period where we don't do what we've been doing and we figure this shit out. Like, we need to start having an actual plan of how to regard illegal immigration. And I think that's important. You know, there are a lot of misconceptions about illegal immigration. People fall all over the spectrum. I think, you know, your first 100 days as a president, you know, trying to figure out a new policy regarding that where it's clear and definitive I think that's a great thing and it shouldn't be something demonized. They're not getting, they're not letting all the illegal immigrants to just come across the border. That's not what they've been saying. They're saying, Hey, let's pause this for a hundred days and figure something out before we continue to, you know, ravage families like Jared Kushner advised president Trump to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Does that cover it for you? Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. You get one more. I'm, I'm just, I'm I'm really frustrated with once again the tone. Yeah. I think the tone of Donald Trump's speech is very very divisive. And what I really really want, and this is me pleading with any listeners, and I know you probably agree with either me or Kevin on a lot of things. But if you listen and you don't, good for you. Thank you for listening and taking yourself outside an echo chamber. But I implore you to understand that this tone of divisiveness is very, very unhealthy for democracy. What it's doing is saying it's an us against them. And just because you and I differ on opinions doesn't mean we can't come to some resolution eventually for the betterment of the country. And I think this divide and conquer technique has been very beneficial for the Trump administration since 2016. It's what got him elected. It was us against them. And even now, it's Biden versus Trump, which is any you know election, there's two candidates. But it's if you vote Biden, Too the world will go candidates. to hell. Huh? Two large party candidates. Right. There are other candidates. There are only two with a path towards success. 
And <laughs> let me reword. Because <laughs> Kanye West has no path to success. So with that in mind, I implore you to really consider the tone of each platform. Well, each party, because only one party has a platform. I can I want you to consider the tone. Are we coming together together under that tone or are we dividing further? That's a good point. And with that, we're going to move on to the DNC here. And I guess before we move on to the DNC too, I do want to say one thing. This is not a full fact check. Just because, first of all, yeah, first of all, we don't have the time in the podcast uh, if we still want to stick to like our hour, hour and 15 minutes. Um, And secondly, I mean, it's just like so much to go through and it's just me and Brian doing this while we have our day jobs and our families. Yeah, and I think anyone can really go back and find like the NPR fact checks of RNC or DNC for that matter uh, and, and really do a deep dive. Uh, so I, I do think that's important. And a good reference for anyone out there that I just found out, it's called Eleven Alive is oh. the uh, YouTube channel. Um, and they have a segment called Verify. And I think I feel like it's really well done. Really? I, I, do. I haven't I, heard that. Yeah. And, to, I, and I've only watched little bits of it. Uh, I was watching it last night and today. Okay. Um, and I really like he. They broke down. They showed the part of the speech, so it was in full context. Oh, that's um, nice. And then he, you know, he he breaks it down even by like sentence. Like this is true. This part's verified. Yes, this is a little misleading, or this is not factual. This is false, and it tells you why it's false. I that's thought it was really, really good. Cool. Yeah, very. So good they don't research. have your full endorsement yet. No, but it's just because a I, yeah, to check out. <laughs> yeah, it's something to check out. Not something that I'll give a hundred percent for because I, have to, I mean, they do a lot of different segments, and they could say some weird shit that I don't know about. All right, let's move on to the DNC, Brian. So my one thing that I was able to catch was Nancy Pelosi said one in five Americans have been diagnosed with coronavirus, and that was statistically inaccurate. Correct. I don't know where she was going with it. I know what she was trying to highlight. There's been a lot more cases. It might have been a you know, five times more likely per capita than other countries. I don't know yeah. where she got that statistic, but I know it's factually inaccurate. And yeah. I have no problem calling out factual inaccuracies. I proved it here. <laughs> With your one. one. <laughs> I'm going to bring one up, and it's not necessarily an inaccuracy or a false statement, but it's going to kind of go to my thoughts on what the DNC did. Uh, and I'm actually going to say what they did well is they brought up the things that they wanted to, but left out things that they didn't want in the limelight, which I guess in my opinion is somewhat better than giving factual inaccuracies. Well, it's a hundred percent better, but yeah, no, you're right. Yes, you are right. But the one that, that caught my eye that I'm pulling it up now, uh, the one that caught my eye, uh, and Oh, for, for Jason, if you're listening, Jason sent us an email. I'm going to bring it up now because I just took my face away from the microphone. <laughs> Jason, seriously, thank you so much for listening. And also, thank you for your email. It was super, super it was helpful. Our, it was our first email. It was our first email. Yeah. I was ecstatic. I like. I, I was I was at work meeting with a liquor rep, and I was like, hey, I got to go for five minutes. I got to go respond to an email. <laughs> Which, I mean, realistically, like he's fighting for my time. I'm not fighting for his, so it was okay. Right. <laughs> but anyways, uh, thank you for that email. Uh, some really good insights into sound and our mixing. And yeah. uh, just some other stuff. But so uh, my, DNC. My, my DNC uh, comment was about Michelle Obama. Yeah. Um, and she brought up that Trump is caging children and building these facilities mm-hmm. to cage children. Yep. But all the facilities that are active today were, not all of them, but a lot of them were built during the Obama administration. Yeah, there's been far more created since because of the overflow. And I do think that is something important to call it. I've had the immigration talks with people and, yeah. and debates and, and all that. And, and that's a good call. out. Like Obama built these, these facilities. I don't think they were detained without a plan, like in the Trump well, administration. I think we've, se. I think we've seen over time that there is not a good plan. And that's why I like your idea yeah. about this, this taking a hundred days to figure it out. You know, hopefully it doesn't take you a hundred days, but I think it is something very worthwhile and something that we do need to, kind of figure out you know how do we help people that need asylum but how do we also protect our borders yeah and and i was going to point that out and i'm glad you you brought it up the idea of asylum there were a lot of people claiming to be here you know 
needing asylum from their home country. And there's no way to fill out paperwork for, you know, a visa or uh, citizenship the same way you do asylum. Asylum is you show up at the border because you're not taking that time to really go through a process. You're fearing for your life. So you leave, you pack up whatever you can and you leave your home and you try and get to the border of the next country right. and you're seeking asylum. Like that's the idea of asylum. So, yeah, I, I th- want to make that clear clarification. Yeah. Another one that I saw that wasn't really necessarily an accuracy, but maybe a slight exaggeration is when Biden had brought up that Trump was proposing to eliminate the tax that pays for almost half of Social Security. And he's referring to the payroll tax. Yes. Um, this is a little bit iffy only because he came out saying that it was something along the lines of he was he wanted to get rid of it. But it, it was geared towards, you know, helping businesses out during the coronavirus. Yes. yes. Um, and so that was a little bit inaccurate. There's also been kind of some, so m- not miscommunications, but some differences between what he has said and what his, his aides have said. Um, cause what this, his aides have said, to tr- they tried to clarify his whole, you know, speech on it. It was basically, they are going to forgive the payroll taxes during the coronavirus. Yeah. So the idea but he's was not looking to, he hasn't come out straight away and said he's going to get rid of them. So that's an exaggeration, I think. Well, Maybe not a miss. So he originally signed the executive order that the 6% payroll tax would be deferred to the end of the year, right? So right now, businesses could give that money to their employees, Correct. right? Yeah. So employees, Which I think is a great thing. Right, it's 6% increase in your income as an employee, which is great, right? Yeah. It, that's a way to hopefully stimulate the economy. And then the problem with that is, is it's going to be deferred until the end of the year. What Trump said on August 12th, I believe, was saying, I'm not going to call that back. I'm right. going to completely cancel that. Right. So then in that instance, you're essentially sabotaging Social Security. So that's what Biden was trying to really point out. I think, well, maybe it could have been spoke because that was a direct quote, what I just said. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, so like, uh, I, I think that I, I think it's misleading. Well, but well. Trump not saying I'm, gonna, I'm not going to call back that deferral. Right. I'm going to cancel it altogether yeah. is what Biden. Now, it's not in the executive order like, right. that it's going to be canceled. That's Trump trying to play both sides of it. Yeah. And I think that's well what done. Biden was attacking. Like, yeah. You can't play both sides. Are you deferring it or are you canceling it? Because if you're canceling it, you're taking away Social Security funds. Right. And if you're not, and I you're appreciate, And I appreciate you going into it, but yeah. I still think that the statement itself was, I think we sure. can count that as a misleading statement. Can I, can I tack that one on? I'll allow it. Yes. <laughs> this is a huge step for Kevin. <laughs> no, I, I think I think you you pointed out a, 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 an important thing that yeah. if Biden was going to say that, he should have been a little bit more distinct. Again, in clarification it. is everything, especially sure. because like you know, I'm not super well informed on all of this stuff. You know what I mean? I have to look this up constantly. Um, well, and I think that also speaks to the fact that we can't trust Trump tweets. So why should a presidential candidate trust what Trump tweets? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another exaggeration, and I, this one is a this might hit a little bit closer to home for you because we just had our USPS thing, and I do want to before I say anything about this, I support the USPS one hundred percent. Okay, and I am all for helping them out. They arrested Steve Bannon. I, God her. damn it, like a bunch of superheroes. <laughs> but uh, and again, this is like an actress we're talking about. We're talking about the the. I'm going to bring up the Eva uh, Longoria speech. Yeah, and she said that. And this is why I'm going to say it's an exaggeration. It's not wrong. Mm-hmm. But she said that people who are on Social Security are relying on the USPS. Mm-hmm. So there are 63 million people on Social Security. Is it 63? I thought it was 61. I believe it's 63. Okay. Um, hold on. I can look it up. Uh, well, we'll go. With six, it's, it's 61 six, or 63. We'll say 60 million plus. Yeah. Okay. People. So of that, the number that I have. 549,818 of them, of the 60-plus million, receive their check in the mail. Right. The other 99.1-something percent get direct deposit. Yeah. So, again, little bit of an exaggeration, still very important. We're talking about almost 600,000 people that get it in the mail. But, I mean, realistically, somebody call up grandma and grandpa and teach them how to get direct deposit. <laughs> Well, and that's. But and that, I'm I just think, kidding. No, just kidding. I, think yeah. you, I think you bring up a great point, right? That's that was my argument against, you know, this whole mail-in ballot voting fraud 
issued the security, right? Right. It's less than 1%. Like it was 14 instances in 16 million. I was yeah. like, that's statistically insignificant. I'll give that to you too. I'll give that to you. But I'm, I'm just saying, again, so again, there's Brian's fact checked. But can I tech another one on there? Yeah, fire away. No, no, no. I mean, does that count? Oh, I, I, I think that can be considered misleading. Two, two for two right now. Look at me go. But can I try one more? Yeah, go for it. All right, let's try one more. <laughs> and we talked about this one off air. See, and this is how hard. It, and, and you know, so I, I, got, I do have to give it up to the DNC for this. Right. You know what I mean? We're being very nitpicky, though. Yeah. Well. That's that. I, I mean, would have been just as nitpicky for the RNC. It was just easy. It, it was easy. it was easier. Yeah. Yeah. If I were being honest, sorry to the Republicans out there, but go talk to your party and tell them to get their facts straight. <laughs> their shit together. Yeah. That's thank what you. you. Wanted to say, I know. So. I know. But I just said GD, and I'm like, I can't keep. So <laughs> I already have to when I post when I publish our podcast. I already have to click on explicit, ca- explicit material. <laughs> hey man, the Beastie Boys were explicit. Oh I God, I love the Beastie Boys so much. Speaking of Beastie Boys, what else do you have for the DNC? Yes, sir. <laughs> we can digress a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, this is going to go at Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Oh, I did not like her speech. Yeah, I know. Neither one of us did. We, she was a robot. We yeah, said this. Yeah. Uh, but she said that auto workers in the union across, or in this union across our state, could have lost their jobs or gone bankrupt if it weren't for Barack Obama and Biden. So, where that's a little bit exaggerated is although they they were involved in it, yes. it was actually George W. Bush who made that who made that so that it was even possible. Right, the, the it was, bailout of the auto industry happened under Bush's administration. Right yes, at the, right at the end of the two thousand eight. Correct, correct, because he he had gotten together the uh, troubled asset relief program. Tarp, tarp. That's way easier to say. <laughs> But you know what? I would have just said tarp money, and you gave the actual. Yeah, now everyone knows. It's pretty good. <laughs> For which, remember, I don't know if you remember this, and this is a digression other than the Beastie Boys. That's okay. The the Beastie Boys are the best digression. The General Motors, and, and it was Chrysler, General Motors, and I think Ford, the three major American auto producers, and all of them flew in on corporate sponsored jets private <laughs> to a hearing about how they've mismanaged funds and everything. And oh, everyone, like, I remember that being a big talking point. It was like, are you kidding me? We're telling you that you need to go bankrupt so we can yeah. give you money and you're going to fly in on corporate jets that are privately owned or, or not privately owned, but owned by the company or chartered by the company. Yeah. Like that you're, that's how you're spending your money. And I guess we're going to give you more money. I guess, uh, you know what? I know I already made one sitcom reference, but I don't think we can go an entire episode now without bringing up the office. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just like when Dunder Mifflin was going out of business. And they actually sent they sent an actual limo to pick up Michael Scott yeah. and they put him in like the presidential suite and like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and the entire time, uh, the character um, David Walsh. No, the accountant. Oh, Oscar. Oscar. Martinez. Oscar is like sitting there bitching about like <laughs> this is the biggest waste of money ever. And yeah, yeah that was yeah. a good episode. <laughs> so one thing, did, did you have more on that? Because I was gonna... I didn't have any more on that. The next one I was going to bring up was Bloomberg. Okay, what about Bloomberg? Um, he had brought up uh, that Biden had saved one million auto industry jobs. So again, this is going with mm-hmm. the auto industry, mm-hmm. and Trump has lost two hundred and fifty thousand manufacturing jobs. The issue that I have with this is those manufacturing jobs were primarily lost during COVID, and I I just I don't think it's I don't think it's a wrong analysis. I do somewhat think it's like almost apples to oranges, um, because. Mm-hmm. There was no major pandemic that hit the U.S. like this mm-hmm. during that time. So I think that that's just kind of an unfair comparison. Yeah, the recession that affected auto manufacturing in 2008 was kind of self-made, right? It was right. American greed that kind of yeah. fundamentally shook the foundation of, of our free market economy. And what we're looking at now is something that was beyond human error. Other yeah. than, yes, do I think Trump could have handled things better or should they have contained it in China better or all these different things? Yeah. There's a lot of human missteps, yeah. but it wasn't like greed. It's it's an organism, a virus yeah. that's been passed around. Like, yeah. that's not something you can blame, you know, greedy people on. So, yeah. Did I go four for four? I disagree a little bit with the fact check on the Biden Obama saving jobs. I think it started with Bush, but there, 
the 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 way the Obama I guess yeah okay the Obama Biden administration basically restructured a bankruptcy deal with the truck or the the car manufacturers in a way that they could give more money right they could give more uh, federal funds to them to continue to stimulate and, and make sure more jobs weren't lost right so George Bush might have started it but it was also a major uh, impactful moment that Obama and Biden had on the auto manufacturing as well yeah. I do agree, though, with the 250,000 job loss as Trump. Not being a fair yeah, yeah, I, I comparison. Yeah, I do agree okay. that it's not necessarily the fairest comparison. But it's really important to note that when troubling financial times struck, yeah. it was Obama and Biden that saved a lot of jobs. Oh, and, and I'm not going to disagree no, with yeah. that at all. Yeah. So I think that's what they were trying to highlight. Was it misleading? Perhaps, but it wasn't factually inaccurate. So that's, yeah. that's my thing. Yeah. Is, so three out of four ain't bad. No, I, I, and I'm glad you were able, because when I was researching, I found yeah. the Pelosi one. I saw one or two misleading ones. So yeah. like the Michelle Obama criticism, I think there's also the and aspect. And it's just that. That's yeah. just a criticism. No, and it's great, because I do want to acknowledge that Obama did build those detention centers. Mm-hmm. The one thing is they aren't tearing families apart when it was under the Obama administration. Yeah. And that was, some, that was a directive created by Jared Kushner and the Trump administration. Yeah. They wanted to absolutely rip the families apart so families coming up would see, if you yeah. bring your kids, we're going to take them away from you. And that's a way to, to yeah. hopefully signal. That's a podcast. More. That's a podcast in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, we got to do now a healthcare one and an immigration one. Yeah. Anything. And also, uh, just for anybody out there who is listening, if you do find a very big inaccuracy with the DNC uh, or the RNC, that you want us to bring up. If you guys uh, hit us up on our Facebook uh, and let us know, we'll, put, we'll we'll say it on air. Yeah, yeah. I mean, guys. we've already had that. I remember uh, Christine Q yeah. brought up the the impending housing crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? Naomi R. brought one up. Yeah, L. Oh, Naomi L., yeah. sorry. Uh, brought one up, and that yeah. was like our third podcast that was like you know, yeah, so centered keep it coming. around that. Yeah, yeah and it was actually my brother-in-law, Mark, that came up with, the, not came up with, but helped us with the, the Kenosha idea. Reinforced yeah. that we yeah. should talk about it. Anything else about the DNC? If not, we're going to celebrate here. Let's let's. You know what? Let's celebrate. All right. I want everybody here listening uh, to pause for a moment and pour yourself a drink. If it's not early in the morning when you're listening to this, <laughs> on your way to work, and, pour uh, yourself a drink. I got permission from Mad Libs, <laughs> officer. What's Mad Libs? <laughs> oh, it's this podcast. You should listen. <laughs> They're actually looking for a police officer to be on their show. <laughs> Can I, can I, before we celebrate, yeah. that reminded me of something. Yeah. And it's something very personal. Yeah. I had a conversation with a former student of mine, Michael C., and I, I think I mentioned him last time when we were talking. I believe you did, yeah. I had a truly remarkable conversation, and it, he was talking about how hard it is to be a good cop right now. A, a good police officer. I don't right. even like saying cop. A good police officer. Someone that cares about society and I referenced him because I know he's doing a good job and I don't know if he listens to the podcast I just happened to randomly message him and it's important that I I bring this up he's a good person he's an incredible police officer he does a lot of community outreach and I think people like that that are wearing the uniform for doing what they do do I think we need to make reform yes but I really want people to understand there are a lot of good people on all sides of this spectrum yeah and we just need to come together just remember and that. rebuild. We yeah. need to rebuild yeah. everything about this. So, yeah. All right. All right, everybody, take a second. Uh, let's pour up a drink, and we'll come back with a little nice little toast. A little toast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Sorry. Sorry, recording already, Brian. Oh. So let's, <laughs> let's All right. do a cheers. We'll raise a glass to 10 episodes. 10 episodes. I know it doesn't sound like much to you people, but <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's huge to us. It's, it's a cheers to... to it is a cheers to it's actually a cheers well. to you guys. Yeah, thank this you. This is to our fans. Yeah. We'll do one more clink there, Bray. All right. All right. We need a we need a smaller table. Yeah. So yeah, we were trying to be socially distant and everything like that. So Yeah. You know. Better than the RNC. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the next segment we want to do and, and hopefully a little bit quicker. I'm I'm sorry I was a little long winded there, but the idea of our hopes and dreams for this podcast and, and the role you play in it. Yeah. So first of all, and I know that we do this at the end of every episode, uh, but we wanted to take a little bit more time today uh, just to show you guys how much we appreciate you guys, or at least tell you guys how much we appreciate you guys. Um, 
never would I have thought that by this time that we'd have over 600 downloads. Um, you know, not too bad for a month's time. Um, you know, originally Brian and I said we wanted to see 250 or 200 downloads or something like that. Um, and then all of a sudden we realized that we had like two weeks left still in our 30 day trial, not trial, but our 30 day, um, stats. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, we shot for 500 and we hit it pretty quickly. Um, and then after we just launched our next episode, we got a hundred new downloads, a little over a hundred downloads, something like that. Um, and we, yeah, I just, I mean, I cannot thank you guys enough for listening, for, you know, participating for those who participated. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm elated. I'm excited. I mean, and I, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying myself as much as right now as I did probably actually more so yeah. than I did for the first episode. Cause now at least I kind of have like a little bit better of a handle on things. I don't know how you feel, Brian. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. Uh, and I want to be very clear. Kevin does more work on this show than I do when it comes That's to sound true. editing and, and everything like that. So I'm very thankful that he does that and I just get to talk. But I do want to say thanks to everyone. Uh, and, you know, Kevin made mention of our wives last last episode. So I'm going to this episode. Our wives allow us to sit here for two, three hours and plan out and talk and talk about then twisted actually, metal. And then then actually podcast and edit and you know review and all of that. And there's a lot of work that is going into the show. And we do it because we hope that it changes your mindset on talking politics. It it changes your mindset on having civil discourse and emphasizing the idea of civil in yeah. the discourse and, and talking to people. And you know Uncle, you know, Uncle Mark is sitting there talking about something and you disagree and you just don't want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable. We want to motivate you, whichever side of the spectrum you are on, to have those difficult conversations. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we built an entire friendship around it. Um, and that yeah. was like that was our original goal going into this podcast. Um you know, and I've told the story before, so sorry for anybody who's listening again. But yeah, Brian and I, you know, just got together and said, you know, I'd really like to do something where we could show people that people who have different beliefs and different, you know, um, you know, theories and th- on, on things in politics can sit down and actually have a conversation and not like, um, yeah, go all crazy about it. You know, and granted, sometimes Brian gets really passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, also but, to you, but I, I think I'm a little louder. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep my voice more fiery. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, no, I mean, that was our ultimate goal. And I just think it's really cool that it's gone to this. You know, when we first started, we were trying to do it via like face or uh, yeah, FaceTime. I was trying to record FaceTime conversations. And now we sit in front of, uh, which I will definitely, once we get our Patreon, once we get our Patreon (laughs) up and running. (laughs) We did one on FaceTime. Yeah. We did one on what was it? Squadcast. Which is a great service. Yeah. If you have good microphones. Yeah. And at the time we didn't. Yeah. I didn't I was think using that my Apple, my Apple ear, AirPods, yeah. yeah, but they weren't even. Oh yeah, they were my wife's AirPods. Yeah, I was using my video gaming headset, <laughs> <laughs> which I should have. Um, but now we're actually like speaking into pretty cool microphones. Yeah, and it feels good. And what we really need from you is, in our hopes and dreams, is not to do this for ten episodes, but ten years. Right? We we yeah, we're not we're, stopping. Really enjoying this, but we've gotten a lot of feedback. This is a, an impactful conversation. Yeah. And we do it in a way that models what a lot of conversation should be. Disagreement, but civil. The idea that you can fact check one another. You can push back on one another. You can find resolution. You can find compromise. You can not just say agree to disagree and walk away from, from and, people. And sometimes you can have a conversation and disagree and not come to some sort of a compromise or something in the middle. And that's still okay too. Yeah. You know what I mean? As long as you yeah, do it civilly. That's true. Um, I, I do think, you know, in order to get from 10 episodes to 10 years of doing this, we need your continued support of sharing this. Right. And we, we've had tremendous support in, in listens from people we know we're starting to see some people we don't know, and we're super grateful and welcome to our lives. Yeah, We need more. We need people to continue sharing links off of Facebook or spreading the word and say, hey, go to Spotify, hit open, right. hit the search bar, type in Mad Libs is one word, and that, there will be this big eagle head. 
click on it and listen to some episodes. Tell yeah. us what you think. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing too. I I just can't thank everyone enough. Anybody who has reached out to either one of us, uh, you know, asking for things to be brought up or giving us little bits of constructive criticism. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I really enjoy the people that tell us it's great, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always emphasize we want constructive criticism. For our ego's sake, we also really like the positive. Yeah, <laughs> please and thank you. <laughs> but I also want to acknowledge, I, I meant to, I said, oh, if you share you know, the link. Yeah. I, I, our wives shared it, obviously. Right. Uh, there was a, a, a gentleman, Evan B., who mm-hmm. I, I knew from a long time ago, and, and he's just a wonderful human being. But he yeah. said some kind words and shared it yeah. on Facebook. And for that, we're really thankful yeah. for the and to my, you know, and I want to, I want to give a uh, shout out to my uncle Jim yeah. too. my uncle Jim. He, he put it on there too. Um, and he, you know, we, there were many a Christmas parties where we would have, uh, pretty good conversations about politics. Um, it's before I got really interested in it growing up, but, um, but yeah, he, you know, had some positive things to say and he shared it as well. And I wanted to say thanks to him. And oh, also, I want to remind him that I have the darts belt for the darts champion at the the Gronhoff household. So <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> so thank you for ten episodes. Thank you for ten more, ten years. Whatever we can do, it's going to be because of you. It's yeah. not. It's not going to be us because I enjoy researching. I enjoy thinking about these things, and I think it's quite apparent. I enjoy talking to Kevin about these things, and and hopefully you understand. You you get that feel that 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 enjoyment that I have talking about these things, even if it's a difficult conversation, I hope you get that feel and you enjoy it in turn. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, for anybody also that wants to support too, just want to give everyone's a little bit, everyone a little bit of a, a heads, uh, not really a heads up, but just keep everybody informed. We are still working on our Patreon. Um, once that's up, um, you know, we would re- really appreciate your support there. Um, you know, and we'll also be posting up, uh, we've got some shirts and some hats on the way too with our logo. Um, and I'm not really sure how we're going to sell those yet, but we'll keep you informed. And don't worry when you wear our hat, it's technically not a political campaign, Biden or yeah. MAGA. So if you work at Good- Goodyear, you can wear them. <laughs> I have to leave it to you to like bring up politics in our thank you. <laughs> thank you guys so much, but also. Trump sucks. <laughs> Let's boycott an American company remember, with 150,000 rem- jobs. Yeah, please remember that uh, some of our listeners probably support Trump. Actually, I'd be curious, too. If anybody's out there, uh, uh, any of our listeners out there that do support mm-hmm. Trump, I'd love to hear your guys' side of the story, too. So if you guys want, you know, I mean, you can even direct message us on Facebook. Yeah. You know, and we'll get back to you if you don't want to make it, you know what I mean? Because I know there's bad connotations with Trump supporters, but we don't care here. No, uh, I'm not. I try not to judge anyone for any political view. Right, but yeah, I mean, either way, po- post it on our, uh, you know, on our Facebook or just direct, direct message us, and we'd love to to chat with you too to see your thoughts on how things yeah, are going. Absolutely. Actually, it would probably be pretty constructive for us. Yeah, absolutely. Because out of the two of us, neither one of us voted for Trump. No. So, I would like to hear it from from yeah, that perspective absolutely. too. Anything else to add, Brian? No, oh, just thanks again. Everyone yeah, really, can, you guys. We can't uh, cannot thank you enough. Um, so yeah, appreciate you guys keeping, uh, keeping up with us and, uh, you know, subscribing, downloading, liking, um, you guys are the best. Thank you guys so much. Kevin wants to double. I want a 10 X. I want to see 5,000 downloads. Oh, I would love to. Yeah. Oh, you want to do a real quick, where do you want to be in the next five years? Oh, I'm, I'm saying the next six months. I would like to see 5,000 downloads. I would love to see 5,000. That's That's our next goal. We want to hit 5,000. I'll be happy at a thousand too. <laughs> I'll be happy at seven hundred. <laughs> I'm happy with everyone. Let me just tell you guys too, really briefly, uh, just like what it's like. Little well, now we we've gotten credit. If you've made it this far, we've gotten credit for the listen. So now yeah, it's just you, gravy for me. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you explain how that works? Like, I oh, think the we analytics. Have more, I think we have more listeners. You want me to talk about my addiction live on the air? Yeah. Because I have an addiction to podcast analytics now. <laughs> Um, and Christine, if you're listening, you understand. So thank you so much for that. Um, every time she comes into to dine, we're at my at my place of work, we talk about uh, podcast analytics. So yeah. basically, we post our thing. Our, all of our all of our podcasts are hosted by Buzzsprout, 
Really, if you guys are getting into podcasting right now, it is a fantastic source. I love it. It's super easy to use. Um, You know what I mean? They have tons of resources as far as help and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there's basically you can go into your statistics. Uh, I should probably look at mine now. So, (laughs) but you, it'll tell you everything. So this, and I'm pulling it up for a reason, not just to stroke my ego. Um, but you have to listen to what seventy five percent. You have to listen to seventy five percent of the episode to count. Otherwise, it the and like because you get even I and Brian and I just had this conversation the other day because I fall further down the sta- or the analytics rabbit hole yeah. because I found out that I could do more than just the analytics through Buzzsprout. I can actually oh, okay. break, I can I've I've got a login for like Spotify for iTunes for Google Podcasts and I can see way more there like time of day that people are listening and it's just like super addictive to me and so especially right after we post an episode. It's the only website on my phone. We had someone from Japan. Oh, yeah. We got a Japanese listener. How do you say hello? Domo arigato? No. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Sorry. That's that's from Mr. Roboto. (laughs) (laughs) Konnichiwa. Seriously, whoever's out there in Japan listening to us. Can you message us? Because I would love to email us if you're you're not on the Mad Libs Facebook. We've had a couple of international, Ireland and England, and I kind of have some suspicions as to who that might be. Yeah, but not Japan. Canada, too. We got a Canadian listener. No idea about uh, Japan. So if you're listening and and you're from a different country, let us know what you think. And let us know what you think about American politics, too. Yeah, please hit us up. Perspective. but yeah, anyways, I'm I'm addicted to this this uh, this analytics. I, I refresh it probably like forty times a day. Yeah. And my wife tells me not to, but I do it anyways. It's just it's it's so cool. It tells me like all this sort of it tells me it breaks it down like who's listening on Spotify, which that was very surprising to me. I because like I came from like an uh, Apple Apple podcast mm-hmm. background. That's where I got started. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, Spotify blows. Apple Podcasts out of the water, you know what I mean, as far as like our listeners. That's why they invested in Joe, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, $100 million. Yeah. They could have given me a million dollar contract. They could have given me a $500,000 contract. I would have taken it. They would have only gotten half of the Mad Libs then. No, I'd give you 250 No, I want more. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You would have just had Mad Libertarian. <laughs> doesn't have the same ring to it. No, it doesn't. It sounds really weird. <laughs> Anyways, thanks again. And the, and the reason we're so into the analytics and we want to see growth is because we want to continue doing this. This is something we've become very passionate about. Yeah. And in life, you need to be passionate about what you do and, and what you work at. And we've considered this not only a side hustle, but a, a second profession. We're trying to craft and get better every single time. And that's because we care about what you think. Yeah, so, and try to show you guys more about who we actually are. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I think leading into it, especially the first like few episodes, I was pretty nervous. Yeah. And I still, Brian. Brian always tells me at the beginning of every episode, I get a little a little nervous. I get you know a little he, shaky. I just like here's here's behind, I have to, the, I have to, behind the curtain. Yeah. You literally have to plan out. Hey, Brian, we're live or whatever you yeah. say every single time. I, I always it's forget. the same thing, and you always forget. Yeah, and you you have to. It's because I don't want. It's because I don't want to sound stupid. <laughs> That's my biggest fear. <laughs> my greeting's going to sound stupid. Just say the same thing you did last week. What did I say? <laughs> I have no excuse. For, for those of you that made it this far, you're obviously the loyal listener. Yeah. We, need, we need to create more of you, so please continue spreading the word. We are so thankful. And uh, on that note, thanks a lot. We'll Goodbye. leave you there. Have a good night, guys. Hey, guys. It's Kevin. And Brian. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Mad Libs podcast. We really appreciate you guys' uh, time. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on all of our social media. That includes Mad Libs Podcast on Instagram, Mad Libs Podcast on Facebook. And feel free to email us with any comments or questions at madlibspod at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate you listening.